You're listening to the Melrose Place podcast, where we rewatch, recap, and analyze every episode of the hit '90s TV series Melrose Place. I'm Ricky, and I'm Kay Beacon. Let's get this started. Yeah, said. <laughs> Season 3, episode 25, All About Brooke. Air date, April 3rd, 1995. Wow. All about her. Yeah, this whole episode (laughs) was entirely all about Brooke. Well, I think it's supposed to be a play on All About Eve, but... That went right over my head. (laughs) So we start this one off at the beach house, and Michael is having a celebratory drink in honor of Kimberly slipping into a coma and dying. (laughs) So if you'll remember, we left these guys where Kimberly attempted suicide by taking a lot of pills. Michael finds her. His first instinct is to call 911, but then he rethinks it and is like, well, I kind of want her out of my life anyway. If I just uh, play it out, she might just die. So he started laughing. Yeah, well, he's continuing this raucous celebration, laughing by himself, putting on music. He throws on a CD. He's like, what do you want to hear, babe? (laughs) A funeral dirge. (laughs) Then the man finds the suicide note. He's like, what is this crap? And then he starts making fun of the suicide letter. (laughs) So, yeah, he's sitting there. He's looking out into the ocean. But first he asks Kimberly, God, how long is this going to take? I mean, I'm only I'm getting kind of low on scotch here. Jesus Christ. (laughs) What a heartless piece of shit. And then he reads it. He's like, dear Michael, that's original. (laughs) I could not believe this man. Yeah, so reading the suicide note out loud, laughing to himself, and then we have an unexpected visitor. Thank God. Sidney Andrews comes up from behind Michael and witnesses him reading the suicide note aloud and notices that Kimberly is unresponsive laying on one of the lawn chairs. Yeah, and she is just chilling, like no movement She's dying. So Michael, he sees that Sydney rolls up and he goes completely into concerned mode. And, and Sydney is not seeing passes bullshit. She's like, Michael, you're having a drink. Yeah. What like, do you, you have a drink talking? in your hands, bro? He's like, oh, uh, I have to start CPR now. Yeah. Um, she's unresponsive. So Sydney's not seeing through this she calls 911 and in doing so michael runs over and pretends like he's trying to help kimberly at this moment while sydney's talking to 911 she gets a hold of the suicide note and puts it in her coat thinking hey this could come into play a little later she pockets that note and we finally have an address of the beach house yeah, one one two five Beach Walk. 
1125 Beachfront Walk. Oh, yeah. That is the fakest address. (laughs) Beachfront Walk. Beachfront Walk. And then we get the credits, man. So after that, Kimberly, we we have the Wilshire Memorial on the gurney, rush them into the hospital. And and Michael is like leering. Is that a word? Yeah, like he he's, he's like leaning hovering over, over it. They're running down the hallway. Michael's leading the charge. He's kind of like getting everybody up to date with like what he was doing. I was gonna start chest compressions and CPR, but then we called nine one one, and you guys got there. So they're rushing her to get some care. She's got um, like a face mask over her so she can breathe. Yeah, and. So she go. They're like, okay, thanks. We've got it from here. And then he cuts the act. And then he sees Sydney, and he's like, "What the hell were you doing over at our house anyway?" Yeah, and she's well. First, Sydney brings it up, and she's like, "Well, don't you want to know I was there?" It's like, not really. Jane's business is in a lot of trouble. Finally. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like I've been waiting for this whole, hey, half a million dollars didn't come through thing. She was able to float along yeah, for, for a quite a good bit. bit. But yep. it's finally catching up with her. And she came to Michael's house to ask him for some money to be put back into Mancini Designs. And she said that. You know, Jane's way too proud to ask for money, so you're the only person that I know who has money. I think Jake has money now. I know Amanda has money. Probably. Allison probably has a lot of money now. Have Allison and Sydney ever exchanged words? I think they have, but I don't think it's ever been very meaningful. Yeah. So, next scene, Jess is doing some laps in the Melrose Place pool. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> this was so weird. Very okay, weird. Okay, so the first thing you notice is that as he's swimming, he's like doing like a breaststroke or something where he's going like his face is going in the water and then out. And like... And this his, pool is not big enough for laps. Yeah, like at all. you could get two strokes and, and you're at the edge. that's it. And his hair is just matted in his face. And I'm like, why are they doing this? He then notices that Joe is emerging from her apartment. And she's holding what is a manageable milk crate with not a lot of things in it. And he sees that she may need help. So he jumps out of the pool and that's when we see it. He reveals he's in jorts, ladies and gentlemen. He gents. is wearing jean shorts to swim laps in the pool. What is that choice? I, like, what is that choice? I mean, he is too white trash to have a bathing suit? I guess. I, I think. Like, he wouldn't have a... But, but in the last episode, he has a wetsuit. He's, like, surfing, right? Well... <laughs> I'm not saying he would wear the wetsuit in the pool, but if you can You'd afford think, a wetsuit, you probably have like, trunks. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Or he'd probably like, hey, little brother, can I get can some... Can I borrow your, tr- can I borrow your trunks? So he goes up and he's like, here, let me help you with that. He takes the milk crate out of Joe's hands and then he's like, can you help me get the hair out of my face? And so I think Joe has like, to like stroke his hair. They like made that choice to be like, whoa, all that swimming's made his hair go all over his face. Right. <laughs> so, so dumb. 
Now Jake, Jake spots what's going on, and he's getting like very jealous because he's super protective of Joe. So he rushes up, and he's like, "I'll take that milk crate." Oh, uh, why don't you go back to swimming your laps, okay, Jess? And he's like, "Aye, aye, Captain." Yeah, <laughs> something so like that. He dives back into the pool and then immediately hits the other side. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, one dive. He's at the other side of the pool. You should not be diving into that pool. I thought that too. I was like, that's a safety hazard. I think the whole thing, the deepest part is like is, five feet. Yeah, if that. <laughs> so but Joe Joe now recognizes that both brothers are now clamoring for her. And Jake, Jake like blows it off. He's like, oh, that was, that was nothing. I just, come on, it's getting heavy. This thing's getting heavy. So we are now over at Amanda's apartment. This is an early morning. Billy has stopped by at Amanda's behest for him to come and visit and talk. And she has a proposition for him. Well, first, she reveals that she's in remission. Right. So I don't know. Billy's super stoked. He's like, that's great. You can probably like work at a a place now. <laughs> and Dan, I, I, I cannot pretend to even be well-versed in the length of time it would take for you to be diagnosed with a form of cancer, undergo chemo, and then be in remission from it. But this happened so fast. I feel like it's been maybe three weeks. I mean, and I'm being like, I'm giving a lot of time for that. Dr. Steele's program is amazing. Yeah, so she looks great. She feels great. She didn't lose a follicle of hair. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Quite the opposite. Yeah, her hair looks better. Yeah, I feel like they've got it teased up. She's got it's fuller. It's more voluminous. Right. Uh, so she she wants to go back to work. She's eager. And so she asks Billy, she's like, can you put in a good word with me at old D&D? And Billy is all of us right now. And he says, don't you want to go to a different place to work other than D&D? <laughs> You'd be taking a step down and come on. I mean, Allison's in charge now. But she rebuttals and has a, you know, kind of a uh, an excuse. She says, well, I don't want to go to another advertising firm because I am in remission and they're going to want me to like, do a whole bunch of stuff, but I need to ease my way back. And D&D is probably the only place that can do that since they know that I had cancer, which kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. And he's like, okay, well, I'll put in a good word to Allison for you. And he leaves. Then she receives a phone call. Oh, by the way, what the fuck is Amanda wearing? (laughs) It is like a velour... It's blue, a blue, like crushed. It's a crushed velvet, crushed sky blue, like, shirt with a very thick black belt. I'm gonna say that baby's two to three inches wide. This is the same color as my like bathroom mat that I step on every time I brush my teeth. It's like a light, yeah, light it's like blue. a baby blue. Yeah, a little baby blue action. So she's wearing that, which is strange, and. Um, she gets a call from Michael and Michael, uh, I hate it how Michael talks to her. He's like, Hey gorgeous. Sorry. I've been out of touch. Let me pick you up. And you can tell she's totally disinterested. Like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Whatever. It's like, let me take you to the Ivy. 
I'm gonna take you out to dinner tomorrow night. And she's like seven, and then he's like seven thirty. Because what is seven thirty like the romantic Sexier. hour? Yeah, and mm. he, and uh, he's like, hey, I love you. And she's like, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> you fucking weirdo. <laughs> so we're at D and D. Allison is in her office playing hardball on the phone. That's exactly what I wrote too. Hardball. She is. She's saying, you better get these items over to me or consider the account canceled. Billy sees her as she's on the phone and she hangs up, turns around and looks at Billy and says, idiots. <laughs> it's in then Billy propositions her and says, hey, I think Amanda should come back to D&D. We're way overworked. We're in our over our heads. She knows a lot of stuff and you can get her at, at a discount, basically. And he, he, he says, like, use her as your advantage and exploit her skills. Now, at first, Allison is not very receptive to this idea, but then she kind of thinks, oh, okay, maybe we can uh, get her at her own game. I can finally give her a taste of her own medicine. Yeah, she just wants her there so she can like, mess with her. Oh, yeah. So she says, I'll think about it. Right. And so Billy goes back to his desk, and then he's up. Messing with two file cabinets. (laughs) We had to rewind this just to see exactly what Billy's task was. Oh, it was nothing. (laughs) His task was nothing. He's basically walking back and forth from two filing cabinets while Brooke is trying to apologize for her behavior when they were at dinner. He opens up a book, like, a little bit, finds a page, and then, like, thinks about making like one mark on the page that he gets to. But they're talking, Brooke, like the last time we saw Brooke and Billy, she was like touching his dick under the table. <laughs> and in the men's bathroom. Yeah, and was like, pull you, make sure you zip her up, Mr. Campbell. <laughs> yeah, so- she, was, she was at him hard. And so uh, she's like, I'm sorry about the other night. And, you know, whenever my family's in town, I get a little rebellious. Yeah, just but a, like, a little rebellious. But, like, your family, you live at your dad's. <laughs> <laughs> You're always rebellious then. Because you live right at your dad's. And he watches you, like, have sex. <laughs> while he smokes a pipe. Like, your family life is totally fucked. So, Billy accepts the apology. He says that... He acknowledges that he is proud of her, that she can admit that it was totally over the line. But then immediately she says, well, why don't you have dinner with me tonight? Yeah. And he's like, look, I can't. I accept your apology, but like, I can't. And then she's like, look, Billy, I need a friend. And you're the only one I've got right now. Billy's the only friend she has. Untrue. Untrue. What about Lowell? What about Allison? They were really chummy. They went to dinner. Yeah, well, I think she has uh, other things in mind. Yeah, so Billy's like, all right, I'll go with you if you want to just be friends. Now, Sydney rolls up to the hospital um, to Kimberly's room with a little, like, white beret on. I love her beret. When she walks in, Kimberly wakes up and takes one eyeful of Sydney and says, don't tell me I died and went to hell. (laughs) Close. (laughs) I came to your house and Michael was having a drink waiting for you to die. (laughs) 
Oh my God. Kimberly, she's like, look, I, I was poisoned. And she tries to get Sydney. She like tries to talk Sydney into this whole like, oh, this is all Michael's doing. This is all fucked up. And she's like, I don't think so, sweetie. Um, no, that's not the case. And so Kimberly wants Alice. Uh, Kimberly wants Sydney now to um, start messing with the house. She wants Sydney to go into the beach house and plant these pills that she did try to use to kill herself into her vitamin bottle. And then she's going to call the police, pretend that Michael was the one that planted them there and wanted to kill her. Um, So You can't get Sydney to do anything without paying her. Well, rightfully so. So Sydney says, okay, well, how much are you thinking that you'd pay somebody to do that? And... Kimberly offers $50. Yeah, well, she does this on purpose. She lowballs her. And she's like, I could pay somebody $50 to do that. And then Sydney's like, oh, how about 50000 And see, that's where it's just kind of like you go from 50 to 50 grand. And then Sydney has not so much of a compelling argument as to why she needs to have the 50 grand. I know things that other people don't know. I'm close to the situation. I will do this for you. Okay, you got it. 50 grand wired into your bank account. Like <laughs> there's no middle ground. 50 to 50 grand. Like $50 to 50 grand. Yeah, no like, bargaining. Like, how about 10? <laughs> well, I don't I think that Kimberly is on to Sydney that she may know more than than what she thinks. So slight like uh slyly Kimberly says, "Oh yeah." And there's a letter I wrote a long time ago that could be misconstrued. So if you find it, please destroy it. And she says, okay. Yeah, so now Sydney the, doesn't let on that she actually has the letter. Yeah, and that's the interesting hole here. Like, it's sort of a plot hole because whatever Kimberly would try to do would be uh, thrown out because of this letter that she doesn't know if Michael has or Sydney has, you know? Well, that's why she wants to enlist Sydney to try to go and find it. But she doesn't. She doesn't know that Sydney is even aware of it. Right. Okay. So now we're with Billy and Brooke. Their their dinner is at Shooters. Of course, we're always at Shooters <laughs> or some like fancy place that they pass up as the Ivy. And Billy is to- telling an old, terrible season one or two storyline. Of when his <laughs> when he his, when he had to like get out of the the, the family biz, biz. <laughs> the furniture family biz, and then Brooke rebuttals with a story about how she is breaking it off with LOL. <laughs> yep, her and LOL no longer an item, and Daddy was very upset. He threatened to cut her out of his life financially and emotionally. And then she has some some snotty comment. <laughs> To Billy, and she's like, well, I guess I always wanted to be, like, normal. Billy, can you help me out with that? (laughs) She says, I always wanted to live a down-to-earth life. Uh, A.K.A. saying, like, I always wanted to be, like, a poor piece of shit like you. Yeah. Hey, Billy, can you help me be, like, normal and boring and shit? (laughs) And, of course, Billy's like, yeah, I'll help you. Uh I'll show you the ropes. Yeah, come in. We uh, We can play soccer in the park. Uh, so now, 
Allison knocks on Amanda's door at Melrose Place. Now, this is a dynamic that we really haven't seen. Complete role reversal. Complete. This script was, like, this is a reused script. (laughs) From, like, an episode, like, 10 episodes ago. Yeah. Have Amanda say Allison's line. (laughs) Now, Allison, you say hers. Did you notice that they had Allison, like, step up on a step to be... Taller way and taller. bigger, and to have kind of like Amanda cower down to her. Yeah, and so Allison's no nonsense again, that, and, as she's been for the last like four episodes. But I really feel like we have not seen seen it to this degree. Mm. She like she comes up, the doors open, and she wastes no time with small small talk or anything. She just says, "I understand you want to come back to work at D and D." And Amanda like meets her right there at, at like all business and is like, those accusations are correct. That's accurate. <laughs> but she's trying to be like kind and nice and you can kind of see that coming through. And Allison even asks her, why would you want to come back? It would be a step down. I don't understand the move as you won't be coming back at the same level. And we can offer you a position. It'll be a small accounts Manager, you're going to be mm. making something in the low low thirties thirties. Yikes! And a- a- Amanda, she's like to explain why she wants to come back to D and D. She's like, I want to work at a place that's the best. Yep, and that's D and D. And then Allison has to throw in some a little more shade about cancer, and she's like, Well, if you're up for it, physically, mm-hmm. you'd be working. Under me. There'll be no trips to chemo. You're going to be treated like anybody else. No special treatment. And then I think to Allison's chagrin, she takes the job. And you can kind of see on Allison's face like, wait, what? Yeah, she's I, like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't think you would go this way. And she's like, remember, Amanda, I'm the boss. And I love this because Amanda then shuts the door. And as she turns away, she says, not for long. Dun, dun, dun. But out if I were Amanda, I'd be like, "Hey, um, rent, bitch! I'm coming in your house." <laughs> like she still pays Amanda rent. Yeah, they're so intertwined. So weird. It's so weird. But like, hey, you're gonna be a bitch to me at work. I'm gonna have your apartment fumigated like every day. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> the rent went up fifteen percent. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oops. Oh, sorry. I've got to lock you out of your place. <laughs> I'm replacing the windows. Yeah, I would just mess with her all day. Now, it's the next day, and it is Amanda's first day back to D&D. They waste no time. She's back. And Allison says, Amanda, I hope you're okay out here. Like with the sorry people <laughs> in the in the bullpen in the cubicle land. Amanda's playing it real go getter esque. Like I'm up for anything. I'm just glad to be home. Okay, great. Well, Brooke, I'd like you to show Amanda the ropes and kind of get her up to speed on what's going on. But before that, can you please go down and get me a cappuccino? I'll do it. Yeah. So Amanda just volunteers. She's like, I'll do it. Does anyone else want anything? I'll get cappuccino for all of us. <laughs> and everyone is just sitting. Like Billy and and Brooke are just like, oh god, our parents are fighting. 
<laughs> but they're not really fighting. So Amanda goes down to take the order, and immediately Allison goes over to Billy and says, oh, I love this little miscongeniality act. Yeah, she's going to put rat poison in my latte. <laughs> and Billy, yo, I got it, man. I like Billy this episode. It's I happening. knew it was going to happen. I remember Guys. in the early days you would rag on him so bad. And I was like, Dan, down the road, I bet you you're going to change your tune. He, all right. He's not, he's not putting up with shit from people anymore. And we talked a little bit about this too. The way he talks is different as well. Yeah, it's lower. It's not like, well, you can... Like, honestly, he seriously used to talk like, I oh, think, hi, hi, Allison and Amanda. I wonder if one of our Melrose Place podcast listeners can figure out, like, at, maybe at some point he got acting classes. Because he's better. He is better. Significantly better. But I feel like his character is different. Yeah. He's not this like little like lap dog, like, he is is different. Because he even says, he says to Allison after she makes this this, like rat poison comment, he's like, well, you hired her, so it's time to live with your your choice. Decisions. And I think she's really trying, so give her a chance. And why is Brooke wearing a cocktail dress to work? <laughs> I was wondering that too. She looks like too. a fucking stripper. <laughs> she doesn't look like a stripper, but I a would call say girl. it's very low cut. It's sleeveless. It just doesn't seem like it would be accepted as work attire. No, this is a party dress. Yeah, it really is. It's it's not appropriate. <laughs> but she looks great. She, oh my God, she's the best. She's very pretty. So now we're at Jake's place. Well, before we go there... Oh. Allison goes back into her office and then Brooke asks Billy, I'm kind of confused because I work for Allison, but I'm supposed to be, you know, working with Amanda and catching her up to speed. How do you think I should act toward her? He was like regular. <laughs> He's like, like a person. You should just be friendly and nice to her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which I think only cements this new Billy theory even further. Yeah. Because I feel like the old Billy would be like, I don't know. Maybe we should tell Amanda that Allison hates her a lot and ask yeah. her. <laughs> you know, like we. Yeah. So now we go to Jake's place. Jess is like in a fist fight with the pullout bed. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> like trying to push it he down. He can't seem to get the bed folded back up. And I got to give it to him. There are a couple like old school beds like that i've had trouble with as well i've never had that much trouble (laughs) with a pullout mattress but he i didn't i didn't think there was much here but jess feels the need like to clear the air you know the one thing i've noticed about jess is he goes from zero to 60 very quickly without any provocation it's so weird like he could be like hey um jake do you want to go to the movies at seven and jake would be like no, how about eight? You oh, don't trust me, little, little brother. brother. <laughs> it's so weird. God damn it, little brother. You can't trust me to look up the movie times. <laughs> I'm leaving. So he says to Jake, let's clear the air about Joe. I want to know the story. I want to know about people in your life. What what happened there? Yeah, he, he basically says that um, he didn't know that Jake was about it with Joe. But how could that be? He took, he brought her to like 
wherever the hell you're well, from up north. Now that they're living together, I think it's pretty clear that they're not dating. So he may be confused on that front. Oh, okay. uh, but Jake does say, look, Joe's a very special person. She means a lot to me. We have a very special bond. Our timing has just always been off. Right. So Jess is like, why aren't you with her? That's when Jake says, you know, the timing isn't good right now. But I can see sometime down the road that that could change. And I really want to keep my options open for that to be the case. So I'm very protective of her. Then Jess has a line where he calls Jake very lucky. And then Jake says, I'm not that lucky. I still have to work. What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so does the majority of the population. Yeah, dude. Like, we've all got to. So that we leave them and we're back at D&D. Allison gets off the phone with the Lamberts. Yeah, so one of the, the Ooh, Lambert accounts. Those Lamberts. Yeah. Don't mess with the Lamberts. This is her personal account. She only handles it. Billy comes in at the tail end of a conversation where she's apologizing profusely. Mm-hmm. And then Billy says, well, what's wrong? And she says, there's a big problem, and her name is Amanda. They didn't receive the campaign that Allison claims to have given to Amanda via memo. So Amanda and Brooke come into Allison's office and she says, I need to know why the Lambert campaign wasn't sent this morning. Amanda's like, "Um, I'm sorry, but I didn't get a memo. I don't know what you're talking about. Allison said, I gave them my word that they'd be getting the campaign today. I personally left the memo on your desk. Why wasn't it sent out? She tries to play dumb. It's like I did not get it. And so, and Brooke like it keeps cutting over to Brooke and Brooke is like fumbling through her papers like like very coyly and like throwing out these eyes and then she like goes over to Allison's desk. Well and while she's doing that Allison says to Amanda, so I'm supposed to believe on your first day back, coincidentally, there's a major screw up on the one account that I handle. And then after that, Brooke produces a paper off Mm -hmm. of her desk and says, I'm sorry, Allison. It seems as though the memo was buried under lots of papers on your desk. It seems like it just never got to Amanda. Mm -hmm. Brooke is fucking it up. But if I were Allison, I would be like, number one, I did not tell you to go through my papers. And number two, I personally delivered the memo to Amanda's desk. Like, I have that memory. I did that. I mean, she's got so much going on. She just takes it. She's like, you can tell that she's upset. Amanda's vindicated. And of course, she's got to smooth this over with the Lambert account. I will say, though, it's poor leadership on Allison's part. Like, even if you do remember putting the memo on the desk, at that moment, the memo was on your desk, and you didn't you didn't even apologize. Like, I used to be that kind of person who would who would still just be like very hard and be like, "Well, I don't I don't know how this happened. Just get it done." But now I would be much more along the lines of, "Well, I don't remember it being there." But it is, and I'm sorry. So, yeah, but hey, that would be the right thing to do. Yeah, and I'd be like, but Amanda, please take care of that for me. And you're right, Allison does not apologize. No, doesn't offer shit. Yeah. And then uh, Amanda has a snide little under comment to Billy as they're walking out. Do you remember? Oh, I remember She's she like, said something, but I forget. 
She's like, you lived with her? <laughs> yeah, he was going to marry her. Remember? You went to their wedding. Yeah, remember? He dumped you for her. <laughs> okay, so we are now over at the beach house where Sydney is covertly entering with her black leather gloves. And she goes right to the kitchen where she rifles through the cabinets to find the pill bottles. She makes the switch. Puts a bunch of pills and another bunch of pills. Right. So she takes the bad killy pills out <laughs> and puts it in the vitamin bottle. Dude, why are you keeping kill yourself pills next to like your vitamins? And okay, I also had a lot of questions about this too. What is the likelihood that the vitamins and the kill yourself pills are going to be like look the same? They all look like red hots. Yeah. I, <laughs> we're just like red hots. Yeah. I just don't think that's very plausible. So nope. she's done that. And then as she's about to make her exit, she hears noises coming from the front door. She immediately drops to the ground. And it's Michael. So he's back unexpectedly. Now he strolls in like no human strolls into anywhere. To their own house. And like he like it's the first time he's been there. All the while Sydney <laughs> is crouched in the kitchen. He could walk in at any moment and see her there. And it almost seems as if he's going to do that to get a snack or something. Mm-hmm. But then he notices there's a bowl of fruit sitting out on the counter. And you only see like his feet about to enter the kitchen and then they like yeah, well, it's Sydney's like, perspective. Like who she's fucking does that. You walk through your house like like flowing. You don't just walk places and like stop and think about it and then be like, no, I'm going to turn around. Now <laughs> I can only describe Michael's handling of this apple as if an ape would handle an apple. <laughs> I don't know how. Like th- there is no fine motor skills here. He literally just grabs it. He picks it up like an animal. And then he uses his other hand to brush it off. But he slaps it. Yeah, he literally (laughs) just slaps the apple and then just goes right into his mouth and just starts gnawing into it. Yeah, like that's the first thing he ate in like a week. It was just very (laughs) bizarre. And okay, maybe I can buy that because people might let their guard down when they walk into their own home. They might not act as refined as no one does this. <laughs> it was just very weird this is not human motor <laughs> skills My, okay. like to complete this scene uh michael thomas Clabro had to go to like uh ape acting class it's just very weird and then he takes the apple and goes into the bedroom and closes the door. <laughs> so that affords Sydney the chance to get up and run out of the the house undetected. She slips out. Now we head to date night with Michael and Amanda. Now they said they were going to the Ivy at 730. Why are they at Montezino's right now? I don't know. That Maybe is not the Ivy. Plans? I don't know. Michael's laying it on thick like he usually does with Amanda. And he's like, how you doing, baby? You know I love you. I can't believe how gorgeous you are. Dude, Michael's proposals are very bad. They re- I think this is the third one we've seen. 
He will not get on that knee. Well, okay, this is what he does. So he grabs her hand. She recoils and says, I'm sorry, I'm not one for public affection. And then he says, well, you might change your tune in a minute. He then takes a jewel ring box and slides it across the table and just kind of looks at her expectedly like, open it up. And She opens it and just busts out laughing. And he says, Amanda... <laughs> I want you to be my wife. And she just, like Dan said, loses it. She's like, oh my God. And I like, as she's laughing, I'm like, I don't think I've seen Amanda genuinely laugh in a long time. And she says, I'm not marrying you. Are yeah. you kidding me? I mean, I appreciate everything you've done for me, but there was a need. You filled that need. And now the need is no longer there. I actually wanted to see you tonight to tell you, I don't want to see you anymore. Yeah. Let alone be your wife. I'm not interested in seeing you anymore, much less marry you. Now, Michael, Michael you know, pissed. he doesn't like to take no for an answer. And he's like, oh, but Kimberly tried to kill herself because I left her for you. Do you have any idea what I've gone through to be with you? Now, in Michael's defense, he did pull a lot of strings. He went all the way to New York. Remember, he went into... Dr. Steele's office and screamed at him, yelled at his secretary for her. He took her to that old people dance party <laughs> in New York. He danced the night away with her. Then he almost got her electrocuted in a hot tub. I remember. Like, he's done. He's really gone above and beyond. He Remember she called him and he came over and brought her ginger ale and some crackers. But do all of those deeds then just equal, well, you got to marry him. Got to marry him. So she's not having it. She says, look, I've appreciated everything you've done for me, but the fact that you crossed the line and you basically took advantage of me because I wasn't in my right mind is not my problem. It's yours. And whatever you've got going on in your crazy little marriage, I don't want any I'm part of. Out. She is out. And she just walks out of Montezino's. And she probably was like, and why are we at Montezino's? You said <laughs> we're we were going to the Ivy. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go to Wilshire Memorial. We are there with Detective Hayes and Lang. They're there to see Dr. Michael Mancini because Kimberly Shaw has uh, put forth some very serious allegations. Mm -hmm. They found the Red Hots. Right. And they're in the wrong pill bottle. They obtained a warrant for the beach house and they were there earlier today and they've combed through all of their possessions. They found the contents of the bottle, which they are going to be, which are being tested at this moment. Now, Michael tries to save face here and says, well, my wife, Kimberly, she's crazy. That was a suicide attempt. I actually had the suicide note. Well, Mr. Mancini, we were there. We couldn't find it. Yeah, we had a search warrant, and we turned your place upside motherfucking down. <laughs> and we didn't find any note. Uh, now, um, Hayes is played by Sal Landy, and he is known for um, nothing. I'm very <laughs> sorry. He was in Scandal. He played Mike. That's something. Like, he... He was Scandal's on a big show. He was on Desperate Housewives for a minute. Uh, again, another big show. Sorry. Uh, Young and the Restless, General Hospital. Okay. I don't. Where, why would you say he's in nothing? This is all like 
This is like decades ago. He was on 24. He's on the X-Files. Okay, he's had a nice career. I just needed to scroll. <laughs> I just needed to scroll a little bit. But yeah, mainly TV. Mainly TV guy. So the detectives tell Dr. Mancini that if he does come up with the note, they want to see it. But they said, you know, this could be an attempted murder charge hanging over your head, buddy. Don't leave the state. Yeah, and he is not, he's not very receptive at all. So let's head on over to D&D. Allison's having Billy and Amanda work late to finish up some shit. Now, how often is this acceptable? It seems to me every day they have to work late. You got to work late as shit with Allison. I mean, all the time. There, she's like, I need these reports done by three. I think we all need to plan to be here late because we have other stuff to do for my presentation that I have this day and my meeting that I have that day and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And so she's just kind of like... Being a being a jerk, like there's a way that you can delegate these things to people without just being total jerk. And like you said, this is like exactly Amanda's behavior yeah. while she was going through chemo. Now Billy, he stays a little after Amanda leaves, and Billy wants to have a little talk. He wants her to take it easy on Amanda, and then after she hears Billy say this. She goes to the door of her office and slams it shut and nearly hits Brooke in the face. Yeah, so with Brooke the door. was just about to walk into her office as the door slammed. Dunk. Now, Brooke, of course, is intrigued because she hears the raised voices. What if the door hit Brooke? Like, that is the end of Allison at work. Like, she would be fired. But would she, Dan? Because there's so many things that happen at D&D that you're like, what? How are you still permitted to work there? This is on it. Like physical violence so on an employee Brooke <laughs> would do it. Puts her ear up against the door. And then we hear Billy saying, you know, you have it out for Amanda. You're just treating her this way out of spite. She's trying her hardest. Allison says, don't tell me how to run the business. And Billy, phew, Line of the episode. Now, man. this I think this really solidified your affinity for Billy. Billy killing it in this episode. He says, I'm not telling you how to run it. I'm telling you not to be such a bitch. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> wow. But it's true. It's like she is so unlikable the way that she's treating everybody. And Allison's not having it. She fights right back. She's like, from nine to five, you are a subordinate. Right. And Billy's just like, Where am okay, I? Um, Is this noted. the military? It's just, it really feels that way. And I'm like, Do you understand me? <laughs> so yeah, yes, so <laughs> But it's just kind of like, yeah, you say nine to five. However, every fucking day I'm supposed to stay late and then do reports like at home. Yeah, and then we it's do like it. It's like a lifestyle. And then we have sex. <laughs> Uh, then Billy says, fine, noted for the record. So and I he, didn't like that line. Yeah. <laughs> it was like three steps forward, five steps back. <laughs> well, he leaves. Noted and, for the record. And he's pretty huffy puffy. And Brooke acknowledges that like, whoa, I heard a little bit and I heard a little bit of what happened in there. And I, uh, I, I'm sorry that that's happening. And they're talking about Allison being terrible 
And Brooke's like, if I were you, I would have steam coming out of my nose. Out of my ears. <laughs> out of my ears. <laughs> and and he, then she's like, you know what? I have a remedy for stress. Do you know what it is? And I'm like, what? Like, what do you do? I like, thought she was going to be like, hand jobs. I know. <laughs> gonna be something sexual or like come here campbell yeah it's gonna be something like meet me in the parking lot yeah come here i'll give you a couple of hjs totally out of left field she says i go to the santa monica pier and play air hockey what what no one does that. are you an 11 year old boy what are you talking about that's why i meet other unsuspecting gentlemen and give them hand jobs under the pier and honestly i don't know what the santa monica pier was like back in 94 95 maybe that was the place but i know what it was like i started working on the pier in 2008 and let me tell you, the people that hung out on the pier on a regular basis are not the kind of people that you would want to hang with. Well, she's trying to be a normal, boring-ass person she's trying like to Billy. be down, quote, down to earth, unquote. Whenever I'm down, I play air hockey at the Santa Monica <laughs> Pier. So, and then I go home and my dad watches me have sex. <laughs> So Brooke talks Billy into going there later that day to blow off some steam. And doesn't Billy say, like, I don't like games? (laughs) Like, yes, you do. (laughs) You're like a kid. Like four episodes ago. Dan, he's maturing, okay? He's not the Billy that we knew. um, Before we play, can I have some peanut butter? (laughs) (laughs) And just, like, drink a carton of oranges with Donald Duck on it, please? I need some Minute Maid. So now we go to the hospital. Michael calls out Kimberly for, he's like, attempted murder? Are you kidding me? I want to I just uh, give Kimberly some credit. She is fucking up Michael's whole shit from a bed in the hospital. <laughs> she, yeah. Dude, she is like just like unraveling that man. As an uh, like unconscious and in bed. Well, I love this because she says, Michael, you were just going to let me die there. And then I love when he says, he goes, well, isn't that the point of suicide? (laughs) (laughs) It's going to let you finish the job. You have a point. You did try to kill yourself. He was just going to let you see it through. (laughs) Uh, She, she calls him out. She's like, I can't believe I ever loved you. You heartless bastard. And she says that her new life's mission, now that she's survived this ordeal, is to make his life a living hell. That, and, like, Kimberly's the last person you want to hear that from. Yeah, you don't want to get on her bad side. No. So now, Michael is... All he can do right now is, like... So he's up against attempted murder unless he can find... A suicide. He note. needs to find that suicide note. So he so goes this man back to the beach house. He's on the balcony breaking everything. Like he's tearing his stuff up. And it's I just so want to be like, Michael, this whole suicide thing happened two to three days ago. What in the world makes you think <laughs> that suicide note's going to be just sitting on the table? outside yeah. and if it was under a chair that you just threw off your deck it's gonna fly away and the cops were there earlier that day or the day before and did an entire sweep 
Then he starts playing detective and starts connecting like the easiest dots okay. ever. Okay, retrace my steps. Who I was, was here? here? It was, was here. It was me and Kimberly. She was dead. And I, I picked up a note. And then as I was reading it out loud to mock Kimberly while she was dying. Sydney showed up. Oh, Sydney. She's the one that has the note. It's like easier than a Scooby-Doo uh, episode. Now, Michael runs to the phone. He's trying to remember Shooter's phone number. Calls. He and Sydney have a funny exchange. He knows Shooter's by heart. Well, it took him. You saw the the anguish he was going through to try to remember. He was like, what is that number? Oh, gosh. What is it again? What's the number to Shooter's? He gets it right. And Sydney answers the phone. And he's like, oh. He starts going in on her. And she's like, Oh, who is this? Let me see. He's somebody who thinks that he's so important that he can't even announce himself. He's already yelling at me. <laughs> at least he goes through this whole laundry list of things. Yep, it's got to be Michael. <laughs> what can I do for you? Why doesn't Sydney wear a shooter shirt? She's too cool. That's only for the bussers. And the bartenders, I guess. Yeah. So she doesn't give Michael the time of day. She's just like, buzz off, asshole. But... Take me to dinner. <laughs> he wants to know where the suicide note is. She says, well, I have it and it's for sale. So he says he's ready to negotiate and they decide that they're going to meet at a coffee shop later on to discuss the terms. So they hang up. Sydney turns around. Jess goes behind the bar. <laughs> all right. Picks up a bottle of liquor with a pourer on it. Pours himself a shot and just throws it back. Now, anyone who has ever worked in the restaurant business, this is fired on sight. Yeah, you don't do this. If you do this, you will be fired. Now, thankfully, I was going to be like, Especially what? if you're the bus boy. <laughs> Boy. You're like, maybe the bartender can pour himself a shot like with uh, like with a customer who's yeah. maybe buying it for him. Right. But Sydney sees this and thank goodness she does say something. She goes, um, you're not supposed to do that. Why? This is my brother's bar. And you're just a waitress. Okay. Well, Sydney's like, well, <laughs> I'm off the clock. I don't even give a crap. Bye. Yeah. I like I like her response. She's like, you know what? I don't give a shit and you're a loser. So later. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and, and maybe that's because she has 50 grand. Yeah. And she's just like, bye. Jess goes to bust the dirty tables and he comes upon a table that has just been vacated and he sees in the check presenter that the customers left their credit card. Unbelievable. He does the unthinkable. Takes the card. He takes it. And I think in these days, maybe credit card fraud was a little bit easier to perpetrate than what it is today. Yeah. But what a grimy piece of shit. I know. he. Everything he does just points to the fact that he's just not a good person. And he just looks one way, looks the other, and just slides it into his pants. And who would be... I don't understand how the credit card was just there. Like they forgot to take it out of the yeah. check thing? I think you've done that yourself. What, forgot? Oh, like yeah. left it? Yeah, but I was like blackout drunk. Yeah, well, they're at a bar. <laughs> I guess so. So right. 
he takes it. The next scene is on the Santa Monica Pier post-air hockey therapy session. Billy is wearing straight-up Jerry Seinfeld wardrobe. Now, I just think that this is a missed opportunity here. We could have had a montage of them playfully doing the air hockey thing, playing a couple arcade games, maybe going on the Ferris wheel. Yeah. They were like, nah, fuck that. No, it's just them walking away from the arcade being like, whoa, that was so exhilarating. Air hockey is great. Yeah. And Billy is just quickly becoming close with Brooke. He says he's had more fun with Brooke in one night than he has with Allison in an entire calendar year. Yeah, so that's saying a lot. Brooke is pretty flattered to hear this. They're overlooking the ocean, and they're looking together. They're, they're facing each other. Brooke says that she's so happy to be friends with a man, <laughs> and she can really be herself around him. Now that I don't have to pretend around Lowell. About LOL. Then they look like they're right about to make out. But Billy tries to pin Brooke's hair behind her ear four times. <laughs> it's a like, lot. This wasn't like a, oh, let me just one time get the hair out of here, out of your face. It's like, let me like curl and my hand over your ear like four times. One has to ask, is this clawing of her ear and hair the reason she pulls away and she's like, actually, no thanks. It's so weird. He goes to kiss her and she kind of, she stops it. And then she's like, let's go on for round two with air hockey. I bet they do kiss there. I bet there's a take where they do kiss and it was too terrible. <laughs> And they were like, no. I don't know. Like, let's not, let's, let's not leave that. But she, but she does pull back away and she's like, are you ready to play more games? <laughs> Straight up a uh, line out of Peter. Ready to play more games. The game's just begun, Amanda. <laughs> Amanda, come here and play some more games. The next scene, we head over to the coffee shop where Michael and Sydney are meeting to discuss the terms for the suicide note. Sydney rolls up, grabs the menu, and she's like, what are we having? And then Michael rips the menu out of her hands. It's <laughs> like, you ain't eating shit, bitch. <laughs> what the hell do you want? Give me the suicide note. And she's like, that's going to cost you 50 grand. Yeah, I hear you're getting an insurance claim coming your way. I want half. And he's like, what? No. I just, I, I don't understand both Kimberly and Michael's willingness to be like, okay, well, 50 grand it is. It's like, you can't, you don't want to negotiate down. Like, a really start, bad bargain. Start at five. Really bad bargain. Five grand. Then he's like, how do I even know you have the note? And then she says the most generic suicide line from the note. <laughs> like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> And he's like, all right, you definitely have that note. <laughs> so she says that he will get the suicide note as soon as the 50 grand is deposited into her bank account. And she throws him the information, like yeah, the she numbers. Gives her a piece of, gives him a piece of paper with her bank account info on it. Real smart. Now, Michael make, takes care to tell her as she's leaving, hey, me and the missus don't really like you very much, Sydney. So if I were you, I'd watch your back. Watch your back, girl. Now, we go to D&D. &D. Lambert 
is on the phone. Allison is out of the office at an AA meeting. Brooke is really freaking out. She tells Billy this. Amanda gets word, and she's like, Amanda like starts to poison the batch, and she says, well, you know, Lambert doesn't, if he doesn't get immediate attention, he may walk. I know this guy. Maybe I can talk to him. I've worked with him previously. I know the account inside and out. I mean, of course, Allison would be the first choice, but she's not here, guys. And I mean, I think it would just be a very big misstep to let him get off the phone without talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. This is all Billy needs to hear. And he, he okays it. He's like, transfer it to Amanda. And then Amanda gets on the phone and within seconds throws Allison completely under the bus. Right. She says, oh, hello, Mr. Lambert. This is Amanda Woodward. I'm sorry. Allison isn't in. She's at an AA meeting right now. Oh, you didn't hear? Yes, Allison has had a lot of personal issues over this past year. Maybe Uh, that's why there have been so many hiccups. With your account. But you know what? I'm here now. What can I do to help you? Ooh, fucked up. Yeah. So messed up. We're back at Shooters. Um, Jake is counting a lot of money in plain sight of Jess, which you should not do at this point. Um, Shooters, by the way, there's an opening shot of Shooters that me and Jenny had to stop watching and just really take in what Shooters is. Like the exterior shot. Yeah, to to an onlooker, to someone passing by. They see shooters. There is a ton of trash to the left. It's kind of reminiscent of a haunted house. <laughs> like it's, it's boarded. All the windows there are, are boarded windows up. Windows that are boarded up. And then Dan, you pointed out that there's actually electrical wires yeah. coming out from the, the front door the, of shooters yeah. into the street. They're running an outdoor extension cord out of the front. And it's like taped down, and then it runs parallel to the curb. Yeah. So it's like Jake is like borrowing power to the bar. It's very weird. Something's wrong with this outlet. Can I use this for my blender? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta make a mango margarita. You know, as like just a passerby. If I walked past that place and I was like, there would be no way I would want to go in there. If this were now... There would be a C in front of the window. Yeah. A big like time from the health C. department being like, no, like a D. Like this is not you safe. You can't run power out of your building. It was just very into the weird. street. It was very weird. And the plants are out of place. There's these two black things like above the, the shooter's and umbrella. Are those other windows that are literally boarded up? I don't know what they are. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. Anyway. Shooters is really messed up. But Jess is talking to Jake and he wants, he was like, little brother, I want to know more about you. I want to know about your life and I want you to know more about mine. So I want to take you and Joe to dinner. And he's like, I don't want to go to dinner. Tonight, I got Danny, the lead bartender. He's going to cover your shift. Everything's fine. And Jake's like, what if I'm not comfortable? He's like, don't worry. 
Danny's going to run it. Everything's taken care of. I know I'm just the bus boy here, but <laughs> I have... you for about three and a half days. Yeah, I've put all of this into place. <laughs> Your business is in good hands. We're going, and then Jake asks, where are we going? Let me surprise you. Just wear something nice. Wear something nice. And in my heart of hearts, I'm like, please just kidnap Jake and Joe and like hold them for ransom. And no. like, I really wanted something like that, but unfortunately. Didn't happen. No. We go to D&D. Allison gets up. She gets up to speed on the Lambert account fiasco, how she wasn't in. She's talking to Brooke about how awesome her AA class is and how like she really feels grounded once she's out of there. And then she gets the news that Lambert called and was pissed, but Amanda took the call. Yeah, and now Lambert wants Amanda to be the lead on the account and he doesn't want to work with Allison any longer. It's even it's so clear now that Brooke is just playing both sides. She tells Allison that Amanda, she's like, I think Amanda's after your job. Right. So Allison is like, look, I want to get Lambert on the phone now. I'd like to talk to him personally. And then Brooke makes a point to say, Allison, I just want to let you know when I leave this office, I've got my eyes and ears open and I'm listening for you. And Allison is like, I'm calling Lambert. I'm setting him straight. Now we go to the hospital. Michael comes up to Kimberly and shows her that he's got the note. Right. And immediately Kimberly puts this together and says, how much did the little witch charge you? Yeah. And he's like, don't, don't ever question. uh, Let's not compare prices. Okay, sweetie. Cause it's very clear to the both of them that Sydney played both sides mm -hmm. and they both paid her to do a task that totally backfired. Mm -hmm. And Mike, uh, Michael's basically like, look, I have the note. This is all over. I need you to get out of here. You need to go away roll out and then Kimberly like grabs the note and like tears it up and he's like oh great he's like, that's that was a copy a, that's a copy I made 200 more <laughs> so <laughs> uh, we got a lot of these things and he says listen Kimberly if you do decide to stay I'm gonna take this letter and I'm gonna distribute it to the medical board here in California and then they're gonna take your medical license away because how could they permit someone who is definitely sick in the head to be operating on people and then you might be able to live at the beach but you're not going to be living in the beach house you'll probably be living in a refrigerator box with the rest of the homeless people mm. or you could leave town you could go get a prestigious job at another hospital i'll get rid of the note and then you never contact me again and then we can both live happily ever after yeah, why doesn't Kimberly just go to that hospital she interviewed at in the Midwest? It makes so much sense. It's like, and it then went really well. From a standpoint of just like, you know, a person, if someone literally despises you, tried to kill you, wants to betray you and have nothing to do with you, why, why do you want to even be in their life? Well, she agrees. She's going to leave. Well, yeah, but she reluctantly, she agrees. I think had she had her way, she would just want to make his life horrible. But in the hopes of 
the underlying motivation is that maybe he'll come around and we can be together again. She can't quit him. She tried she tried to kill herself over him. I know. So now <laughs> we go to the golden rail with the three J's. What's the I guess this is supposed to be like a, a fancy dinner. Just Joe and Jake. Looks like a Lone Star. <laughs> like, <laughs> doesn't look too fancy to me. No. But Jake, we 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 run up on this conversation. Jess is regaling Joe with some childhood stories. And we learn that when Jake was five, <laughs> Jess told Jake that how you ride a bike is you tie a rope to the handlebars, then you sit backwards on the bike, then you look behind your shoulder to see if you're steering the bike correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We have a two-year-old daughter who knows how you ride a bike. Yeah. Just I, instinctively. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And then Jake's like, come on, I was five. I thought that he knew what he was talking about. It's like, like dude, have you I'm ever sorry. looked at anything? <laughs> like, this is the most outrageous story I've ever heard. And then he's like, then Jess is like, well, then, of course, Jake ran the bike into old man Jackson's car. Then and I got my ass kicked. Guess who got in trouble for it? Yeah, maybe because your freaking brother was like, you're the one that told him to do it. Stop tricking your brother how to not ride bikes. So, like, Jess is, Jess is like, maybe, maybe a little brother should pay for this meal. And, uh, like, jokingly. And then Jess is like, no, I'm going to pay for it. And he pulls out the credit card. And then Jake is like, yeah, um, let me see that credit card. Yeah, and this is kind of weird. Jake is like, Jess, didn't you declare bankruptcy? Don't they take your credit cards away? And Jess tries to play this off, and he's like, well, I got this credit card for one of those like TV shows, like one of those things that you can like get your life back. I don't know like what he says. Yeah. And then Jake continues to say, give me the card. Like, Come on, let me see it. Oh, what? What, Jake? You think I lifted it? You think I stole it? You think I clopped someone over the head and took it from him? And Joe's like, guys, come on, chill. Relax. So again, this is another example of when Jess is like, all of a sudden, like, no, I'm done. I'm leaving. Yeah. So he gets up, leaves, pays for the meal, and Joe runs after him and is talking to him. And this is where Jess plays the victim. And he's like, well, I just wanted to get to know you guys. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for, thanks for listening to me. And then he's like, Joe, you're everything he described. I understand why he likes you, why he loves you so much. And then he, then she's like, come on, cut, just come back to the table. Like we don't have to end it like this. And he says, no, I got to go. And then he gives her a kiss on the cheek. And Joe is basically now hypnotized. Joe is like feeling this. She took the kiss and was like, oh God. Yeah. And then he walks away and she's like, okay, I guess I go back to Jake now. Now... Allison rolls into Billy's like, ugh, what a day. Yeah, so this is like... She has selective memory. She, it's very weird. The vodka fucked with her. 
<laughs> now this is in the evening. She's at Billy's house. She's bringing over all of these reports, always with the reports. There's reports, reports all the time. And she comes to his house and she's like, oh, we're going to need to get these reports done first by, by tomorrow. I mean, this is probably late in I'd the be like, evening. Dude, this is not cool. You cannot come to my house and bring me work. And be like, you have to have it done tomorrow. Well, and he... That would be so fucked up. He does stand up for himself. And she's like, well, maybe noon. I'll give you that deadline. And he's like, Allison, what are you doing here? And she says, Billy, I'm here to, you know, be with you. And and he's like, no, you can't just come into my apartment and expect to have sex with me after the way you treated me today. Yeah. And he and she's like, what do you mean? It's me. And he's like, nope. The new you is rude, selfish, and completely egocentric. Zing! You've changed. And so she's blindsided by this. I don't know how. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. And you know what about those reports? They're due tomorrow, first thing. That noon deadline deadline is for people that I care about. Yikes. I love the line he gives her, too. He's like, sleeping with the boss isn't exactly my job description. And it isn't. Damn, it's Billy has a, a good line. dynamic. Yeah, well, you're getting on board with Billy. Team Billy. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> but so Sydney is on her way to the laundry room at Melrose Place, and Kimberly just appears from the shadows. <laughs> And like, just like, hi, Sid. And she tells her, I got to go away for a little bit, but I'm aware that you screwed me over. And if I were staying in town, I'd think of another clever little plot to get back at you. You, And it would probably be physically damaging. And then Sydney's like, okay, well, don't let me stop you. Bon voyage. Ta-ta, I'll feed us in. Bye-bye. And as Sydney tries to walk away, Kimberly grabs her by the back of her hair. Yeah. And she's like, I'll be back. It's like, you owe me, Sydney. You owe me big. And I'm going to be back to collect. With interest. And I'm just kind of like, uh, I don't know, Kimberly. I kind of feel like you guys are even because remember when you tried to run over Michael in... Jane's car, and then you tried to pin it on Sydney by doing this whole "oh, I'll be your alibi" thing, and by then when it a came, wig in her, yeah, and then when it came down to it, you totally backstabbed her, and then that landed her into a mental institution, mm-hmm. and she was arrested for manslaughter, like for attempted murder. Yep, I think you guys are even. Like you both had it out for each other, and that's it. That's not how Kimberly sees it. And I can't believe Sydney didn't bring that up. I would be like, okay, really, really, Kimberly, after you basically put me in a mental institution and I was pretty much almost raped by that freaky, weird-eyed janitor guy. She slept with her man. 50 grand is my reparations. <laughs> well, I, I'm excited to see what Kimberly does to all of them. Yeah, me too. So, Brooke... She's at a bar, and I think we're supposed to think that Billy's coming to meet her. Yeah, I think, I don't know, they tried to play it like, oh my gosh, what a surprise. It's like a weird camera angle, and like then where it's we like... we don't know who she's meeting and talking to. Yeah, and um, it isn't Billy who shows up, it's Amanda. 
And we learn as from the audience that they're in cahoots together. Mm-hmm. Brooke pulls files for Amanda, like on Allison, I guess. Here are her phone logs. Okay. Yeah, what? <laughs> what exactly you're going to glean from that? I don't know. But Amanda's very pleased. She says, this is great work, Brooke. Thank you so much. She orders a martini extra dry, which Brooke immediately orders Copies. one as well. And then Amanda, she's like, I'm very excited to be working with Brooke. They're th- we're we're going to be a perfect team. And they're like, just cheers. That's the plan. And then... That's the end of the episode. End of the app. Jenny, break us off with that recap. Okay, so Sydney catches Michael letting Kimberly die and calls 911. <laughs> Amanda gets rehired at D&D at a lower position. Brooke and Billy get closer. Jess steals a credit card. Amanda breaks it off with Michael. Kimberly pays Sydney to make it look like Michael tried to murder her while Michael paid Sydney for the suicide note. Allison and Billy cool it off. Brooke and Amanda are working together to dethrone Allison. Oh, shit. 90s moments. I got straight from the start. Michael's beeper clipped to his hip. That was like number one for me, too. Screamed it. And, of course, we already talked about this, but that crushed velvet baby blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael's, he when he goes to play that music, he's got, like, these CD towers where you, like, store your CDs, like, slotted. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, Brooke's high-collar lace shirt that she paired with a suit jacket. Mm-hmm. Back in the 90s, there was, like, this fashion moment where they were trying to make, like, the Victorian age comeback. A lot of those, like, high lace collars. What? Yeah. It's like, no, don't do that. Yeah, they were. They were doing it. Um, I have handing your bank information over with, with a piece of paper. I'd be like, Venmo me <laughs> today or, like, uh, PayPal. Sydney's beret. Ooh, I think that's all I got. The fact that everybody wanted to order cappuccinos, I think that's a a pretty 90s drink. Um, The whole deal with the memo, the fact that the memo was on your desk. I mean, Mm. now it would be in an email format and then you would have distinct proof whether or not it was sent to somebody. I got, there was an extra who was at D&D, and she had one of those big old bow barrettes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I remember my mom used to have so many of these. They were like these huge fabric bows, and you would like put them really low in your hair, Mm -hmm. and like that was all the rage, and that that brought me back to like nostalgia. Um, And then... How about about the no fear of using a stolen credit card? That is a good one. (laughs) He's just like, oh, I'm here. Doesn't matter. Because it could have probably just been canceled. You know? And then he's at the dinner with all of them. And they're like, I'm sorry. uh, What's up? You guys going to wash dishes? And then I've got Michael racking his brain to try to remember a phone number. Mm, That's good. That is good. Well, all of these episodes deep down have a lesson that we can all take away and apply to our daily lives. Jenny, 
What's your lesson here? Don't hire your mortal enemy <sighs> to come work for you. <laughs> That's mine exactly. Word for word. Mortal enemy? I wrote it. Look. Don't hire your mortal enemy. (laughs) (laughs) Double lessons. Jeez. Why would you ever do that? I don't know. Like, even if you have the ounce of compassion, you guys hate each other. Yeah. You have her job. I guess there's that saying, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Like, Billy is... Why the fuck would Billy, like, offer this as a solution? It's very bizarre. Hire your enemy? This will be a great idea? No. Guys, don't ever do that. Yeah. If you don't like someone and you have an opportunity to not work with them, (laughs) like, don't. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. Jesus. Now it's time for... Bitch of the Week! I'm a boss-ass bitch, 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 bitch. I'm a boss-ass bitch, bitch, All right, bitch, last bitch, week, bitch, bitch, bitch. I said that Allison was the mega bitch of the week. And Jenny, you said that Michael was. Yes, I did. Now, on Facebook... We had a vote of 14 to 8 in favor of Allison. What? Yeah. Then I forgot to post it on Twitter. (laughs) But on Instagram, we had a vote of 18 to 22 in favor of Allison. Oh. (laughs) So. Congratulations, sir. I win 3626. Oh, well, congrats. Allison is a mega, mega bitch. So let's see what people said. Viv says Michael deserves that title for the scene with Kimberly alone. I was so pissed off with him for reading Kimberly for filth like that. Brought up she's barren and the asshole is the reason for this. Kicking her down like that in a place of work, too. Yikes. Uh, Zach said... Michael, for sure. His treatment of Kimberly was so awful, I almost forgot all the heinous things she's done herself. Like attempted murder, stealing babies, committing hate crimes, (laughs) and not tipping flower delivery boys. Those are all really great examples. If his bitchiness towards her made me feel sorry for her, in spite of all that, he truly deserves this week. Well said. Thank you, Zach. Mm. Donald says, well, Dan, I'm totally not defending Allison. I agree with you. Everything you said was spot on. Welcome aboard, buddy. Allison is a bitch. (laughs) I hated the way that she treated Joe. Unfortunately, everything she did pales in comparison to what Michael did. The way that he treats Kimberly in this episode is absolutely horrible. He is a jerk in every sense of the word and every cuss word you can think of. And that is why I have to vote for him because he totally deserves it. In fact, from now on, whenever he is nominated, I will vote for him no matter which one of you has nominated him because he will probably deserve it for the duration of the whole show. Because I don't think 
his character gets worse from here, but I don't know. I don't remember. And by the way, I hated that scene in the end. It was so cringeworthy. I can't believe he stood there laughing. Kimberly might be dead. That was so horrible and painful <laughs> to watch. I kind of wish that Kimberly would have hit him with the car again. For real. Christina said, I'm voting for Allison simply for Dan's gold star dual use of the word bitch. It made my inner wordsmith smile. (laughs) Thank you, Christina. Jamie says, I chose Allison. Michael is evil and would definitely win Sociopath of the Week if there was a contest. However, Allison was pretty much the textbook definition of a bitch in this episode. She was rude to everyone except Brooke's dad, and she was an ass-kissing bitch to him. I usually like Allison, but her bitchiness was undeniable this episode. That's true. It was. Rodney said, I wanted to vote for Michael. He's been a giant bitch this whole arc. But Allison was a next level bitch this episode. The way she is treating her employees and the people she cares about is just too much. It's because I think Allison seems to really think this is the way she has to be to be the boss. Basically, Amanda Jr., But she got in this position by being a good person and a hard worker. Why change now? Great point. Either way, she's the perfect example of all the bitch-ass managers in the world that seem to forget where they came from and how much it sucked to be shit on when they weren't in power. Fuck Allison. <laughs> Whoa. Damn, somebody had a terrible boss. Okay, Graham I'm said- with you, Rodney. I'm with you. Graham, your profile picture is scary. (laughs) In the best way. I love scary stuff. Okay. Graham says, this was a tough one for sure. But in the end, I voted for Allison. I have to admit, I love this little batch of episodes where we have Allison at the top of D&D and where she goes from generally well-meaning nice girl to super bitch on wheels. (laughs) Literally overnight. Yes. It's as though the minute anyone sits in the president's chair, they become possessed. I remember calling her Amandison (laughs) back in the day because she was just so terrible. Amandison. (laughs) And while Amanda. What about Alanda? Alanda. 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 Come here. (laughs) And while Amanda kind of deserves it, this Amandison character is so heinous to absolutely (laughs) everyone, even poor Joe, who a few weeks back had to give up her baby in part two to Allison showing up drunk to her court case. Jesus Christ. Thanks for that reminder. Bitch of the week for sure. But a word about Michael, the only thing saving him from my nomination this week, even though he was downright evil to Kimberly in this episode is that his actions finally gave an answer to the persistent question that I had about Michael and Kimberly this season. Why would Michael ever marry someone that a few months ago tried to kill kill him twice? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we finally find out that he had an ulterior motive. And yes, while Michael was downright brutal to Kimberly, She kind of had it coming, don't you think? Mm, interesting. Well, Graham, that's true. And I think that, you know, we had some other people back that up for sure. 
uh, Michael commented, I call her and still do call this entire era of Allison Amanda Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Noah, Noah said, okay. Okay. I think Michael is a bit overqualified for bitch of the week. As one commentator noted. Okay. What we did to Kimberly, what he did to Kimberly enters evil sociopath territory. So I'm voting once again for Allison, who just doesn't get it. She can't see through Brooke's double game. She alienates Billy, her only ally, and dumps all over Joe. Side note, when did Joe forgive Allison for totally bombing during her custody hearing for Michael Jr.? Great point. But mostly, Allison is bitch of the week because she makes Billy likable in comparison, <laughs> and that's not forgivable. Here, here. Yeah, I mean, she's really shitting on him. It makes me, like, be a fan. Yeah. Well, thank you all so much for your comments, and thank you all for voting for my nomination. Now, Dan, because you were the winner, who are you nominating for this week? My bitch of the week is Big Brother Jess Hansen. <laughs> One, he stole a credit card. Now, you know, you can, you can steal a lot of things. You can sneak into a movie theater and watch a movie. You can, you can take a, I don't know, like snatch a candy bar off the, off the rack at a, at, a, at a grocery store or something. You can, you can maybe borrow like a video game or a CD from a friend and forget to return it. But just straight up stealing a credit card at a place that you work, like that's so fucked up. That's being a pretty big bitch. Then, dude, you aggressively go after your brother's like love of his life basically come on man and you're not even attempting to like be covert you leapt out of the pool in your jorts you asked her to like wipe the hair out of your face that wasn't in your face and you try to carry down that like milk crate that wasn't even that heavy um then you're you're stealing from your brother too you're you're a bus boy. He gave you he you live at his place. You are fucking up his pull-out couch by like jerking it around and pushing into it. And then you're taking shots behind the bar. You are a bus boy. If you're a bus boy, the only thing you need to do behind the bar is fill up that goddamn ice. That's it. Don't be taking shots. Then it's really bitchy to tell embarrassing childhood stories about your little brother in front of like a girl that he likes. That is so fucked up. That is being, that is a definition of being a bitch. And then just fucking with your brother like that when he's five, that's dangerous. How, what you're, how you're teaching him to ride a bike. Like he tried it apparently. Like, where did he try this? The street? Yeah. He ran into old man Jackson's car, Dan. You could freaking hang yourself like that. Like if you, all right, so I'm envisioning a bike with a rope on both handles that comes to like a triangle. And if you're sitting backwards, this rope has probably. How are you even pedaling? Uh, reverse. <laughs> this is like a carnival trick. 
But like that rope could easily go above your head, catch your neck, and then you can die. That's a bitchy thing to do. And like, dude, trying to, I mean, just trying to get with your brother's girl is so bitchy. Like, get out of here, swim fan. What do you want to wear a skin to? Like, it's not cool to like want to like become Jake. You're a freak. You're a freak. You're a bitch. Stop stealing credit cards. Like, what is up with you? You're just a degenerate, no good bitch of this week. All right, Dan, you've made your point. Thank you. However, I disagree. I of course think you do. The clear cut bitch of this episode is freaking Brooke. <laughs> she is so the bitch. Number one, she's like a, such a liar. I mean, after this whole stunt that she pulled at the restaurant with Billy, and then she was like, I need to apologize. I have questions if she actually did break up with LOL. Maybe Low. she maybe she didn't. <laughs> maybe she's just saying that to Billy to try to get him to go out to dinner with her. I you know what? We haven't seen Lowell and her dad in the same time. So I think Lowell might be her dad. <laughs> no, I think we did see them at the same time at the shoot, right? Oh yeah, shit. I don't know. Maybe I think no, we did. No, we did. But anyway, um her little seductress game, I think, is so transparent. I think she wants to get to the top of D&D, and she's willing to do that in any way. Billy's her superior. So I think in her brain, she probably doesn't even have real feelings for Billy. I feel like she's playing him to try to like get some dirt on him so then she can get higher than him at D&D. Mm. And then, of course, she's trying to be Allison's little best friend, telling her, I'm your eyes and ears when you're not around outside of this office. I'm on your team. And then, of course, the big reveal at the end of the episode is she's working with Amanda the whole time. She's totally backstabbing Allison and playing both sides with the intent of trying to further her career. And that's really all that needs to be said. She is a seductress little bitch. <laughs> all right. You decide, Jess or Brooke, head to our Facebook in our um, private secret awesome group or Twitter or Instagram and vote for Bitch of the Week. Now, this episode was titled... All about Brooke. However, Dan, do you have a better title for it? I sure do, Jenny. And I'm calling it the Backstab Brigade. Oh, (laughs) okay. A lot of backstabbing. I think we're really kind of on the same wavelength here because I went with double agents. Kind of same deal. You got a couple Mm -hmm. of people that are playing both sides. Flipping it on them. Yep. Bastards. Now, predictions. Here's what I think is going to happen. Allison is going to fall hard from 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 top of D&D. And that's going to send her back on the bottle. <laughs> Please get back on that bottle. She was great as she a drunk. She was awesome. Like, just take a big old swig of vodka and cough by your fridge. <laughs> 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 That's that's the Allison I want. That's the Allison. That's the Allison we deserve. 
That's the Allison we need. I want you just blacked out, skinny dipping in the fucking pool, hooking up with randos at your work. Oh, your friend. Like drink, just slugging vodka. <laughs> bring bring that Allison back. I want her. I want her all day. Uh, I think that Kimberly comes back to murder people. Ooh. I think that Sydney uses that 100 grand to get Jane into the storyline. <laughs> come on, come on back, Jane. I think some Matt, like where are you, pal? Matt. <laughs> yeah, where has Matt been? Matt, he's just knee deep in work. <laughs> trying to keep the lights on at Wilshire Memorial. Um I think, but yeah, I think that the that money Sydney is going to give to Jane, it's going to strengthen their relationship. Mm-hmm. They're going to become cool again. I think Joe hooks up with Jess. And Jake gets pissed and he's like, get out, Jess. And then Jess is like, little brother, you can't hack it. Me and Joe got a thing going on. And then like she, he, maybe he moves in with Joe or something. Or maybe he gets arrested for credit card fraud. But where's Matt? Where's Jane? Those are solid. I have to agree with you in a lot of those predictions. Um, I'm like, I'm very happy to see that Jane Mancini Designs storyline is going to be like, hey, we are in financial ruin right now. And I think, just as you mentioned, Sydney is going to come in to save the day. I think that Allison is really going to get fired for real. I don't know, but I think she will go into a downward spiral. My major thing is, what is Kimberly going to do? Like, what is she going to do? What is up her sleeve? That's my big question mark. She's threatened. She's death. She's going to try to kill somebody. And at this point, like, she's got nothing to lose. Nope. Michael has pretty much rejected her, and that was her only reason for living. And now she wants to devote her life to making his life horrible. So how is she going to play it out? Can't Mm. wait to see. It's going to be interesting. Oh, hopefully Mancini Designs does go under so we can get some more K. (laughs) Dan, I think K's not coming back. Can K save the day? I really hate to break it to you, but I think she's done. Damn it. Love her. Um, yeah, man. So with all that being said, we cannot wait. The season's almost over. It has been a lot of fun. People always said season three is like the shit. And I think it has been. It's living up to all the hype, I will say. It's been really, really cool. Um, if you're not, head to the link in our show notes to our Facebook group and request to join and I'll get you in there. And make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and make sure, like, share us. Share us with your friends. If you know people who are like, hey, I need a podcast to listen to, tell them about, about ours. And um, hit us up, melrosepod at gmail.com. And I want you all to have a very great day. And sorry we're late. We love Smut. And we love you. <laughs>